This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 23, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Our national security spokesmen have a confusing message. Cybersecurity threats are real, but private sector cryptography provided by Apple and Google are also a threat. Julian Sanchez, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, offers his assessment. So FBI Director James Comey recently gave a talk at the Brookings Institution uh, where he called for a regulatory or legislative fix, as he called it, not only to require uh, cell, cell phone, smartphone, and mobile device providers to create backdoors for law enforcement to break their encryption, uh, but also, uh, even more radically, I think, uh, renewed the FBI's push, um, which is abandoned a few years ago, uh, for legislation to require uh, internet communications providers to provide that kind of intercept capability as well, uh, the ability to circumvent user encryption, um, which is also an incredibly bad idea. Um, CALEA, the Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act, is a law from the 1990s that required big uh, telecommunications companies, you know, the phone company or your ISP, uh, to have the capability at their already very centralized facility um, for law enforcement to tap in. Uh, it was a fairly expensive proposition for the companies, totaling probably about a half billion dollars, uh, all told. But that involved fundamentally taking an already centralized architecture and making it tappable. It didn't require, explicitly didn't require uh, providers to find a way to circumvent any encryption the users themselves deployed. Um, it would be a totally different proposition to say thousands of internet communications platforms, which don't necessarily operate in a centralized way. Um, which may use a peer-to-peer -peer distributed architecture to let people communicate without any one central hub. It's very much the way the Internet itself works in a, a decentralized way. Uh, and there are very good technical reasons and very good security reasons to have a decentralized architecture um, that uses end-to-end -end encryption, meaning encryption uh, that is implemented client-side by the user, the sender and the receiver of a message. Um, and so unlike... The first CALEA, an update of the kind they're asking for uh, for communications providers, would really involve law enforcement dictating the way communication evolves uh, and in a way that, that, one, may technically not make good sense and, two, leaves users necessarily less secure. And I think the same can be said of the idea of a backdoor mandate for mobile devices like the iPhone or Android phones. Um, it's important to recognize that this is really, in a way, nothing new. We had a big debate in the 1990s, uh, known sometimes as the crypto wars, over whether um, the government was going to regulate encryption technology, force uh, providers to let the government escrow or keep a copy of everyone's encryption keys. And they very wisely, um, under almost sort of unanimous advice from um, security and technology professionals, uh, decided not to try and do that. Uh, and really, the, the burgeoning internet economy that grew out of that depends absolutely essentially on people trusting strong encryption uh, to protect their sensitive personal information, their credit card data, um, you know, who's going to make a purchase unless they're very confident that, uh, you know, sitting at a Wi-Fi cafe, someone can't just eavesdrop on that data. So why uh, is this different? You talk about a backdoor mandate, which is essentially a key that law enforcement claims only they can use, and this uh, dramatic expansion, as you put it, 
of of in, in, access to data. In a way, it really isn't new. I mean, even on on laptops for years now, it has been standard to have the option to turn on unbreakable encryption. It's called File Vault on uh, Macintosh computers. It's called a uh, BitLocker on Windows computers. And unless you decide to send uh, Microsoft or Apple a copy of your key for backup purposes, um, it's been the case for years that no one else has the ability to break into that data. Um, even actually in the in the phone territory, um, Android phones have had as an option since 2011 unbreakable encryption. The difference is they're turning it on now by default. Apple introduced again a couple of years ago encryption, but for a lot of categories of sensitive data, they basically stored it in a very insecure way. They didn't use the strongest sort of encryption that's entangled with the user's passcode so that the user's own chosen password um, forms a part of the key, which means Apple can't break it. A lot of data was stored uh, just locked with keys that are contained on the device itself. It's a category that Apple's own technical papers call the file protection none category. Um, and so as a result of that, because the keys are on the device, Apple was able to use its own uh, ability to manipulate the, the, the hardware to unlock that data, not all data. And so it's not that they've closed a back door so much as they've um, eliminated poor security design from their phone. So in a lot of ways, this isn't anything new. But the fact that this is going to be on by default means a lot more phones are going to be protected uh, strongly than were before uh, You know, if people didn't choose to turn it on. And so that may, in some cases, cause problems for law enforcement, although it's, I think, important to note that every time they try to come up with examples of when really they've been frustrated by encryption or there's a case that they couldn't have solved if they hadn't been able to access a phone, the ex particular examples they come up with all turn out not to be true. Uh, the the site uh, First Look um, or the, the Intercept blog at, at the, the site firstlook.com um, examined the cases that Comey talked about in his speech and found that in every single case, really, uh, there was evidence that might have been used from a phone, but it was never the primary or essential evidence in that case. Um, you know, cases involving child predators or murder. Um, I think the reason is very often in cases involving an abduction or a murder, there's physical evidence. The phone isn't really the the key point there. That much much as with wiretaps, you know, when the government talks about how it needs wiretap authority, it talks about murder and kidnapping. But if you look at how they're actually used, it's overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly uh, in drug investigations because it's investigations where you. you fundamentally have a kind of willing seller and a willing buyer that uh, only by using communications eavesdropping can you, can you actually prove the case. Um, still, you have to assume that there are going to be some cases where uh, this presents a problem in the same way that you know, the ability to throw a letter in the fire or uh, have a, an in-person conversation that leaves no traces may present a problem for law enforcement. But on the flip side, you have to consider the huge benefit uh, at a time when the government is warning about uh, the enormous costs of cybersecurity threats, the cost of identity theft, um, that people need strong encryption to protect the incredibly sensitive, often extremely economically valuable data they're storing on their computers and mobile devices. It seems very uh, odd for the national security uh, infrastructure to be making those twin arguments. One is that this uh, encryption on consumer devices, which is really what they're talking about, uh, is dangerous for their efforts 
But we must have these cybersecurity threats out there are huge, and we have to deal with them. I mean, almost humorously, if you look at the FBI's website, when they talk about security threats, they say, you know, one of the things you should do is use a strong, uh, long passcode and use encryption on your phone. So they're on the one hand telling you... uh, it's dangerous to have all this encryption that police can't crack. On the other hand, it's very important that you actually use encryption technology. And of course, what they would say is, well, we want people to use encryption. Uh, We just want a backdoor that only the government can use. And the problem is, if you talk to technical experts, they'll tell you that is extremely difficult to do. It is very difficult to design a device in a way that, that essentially requires it to work against the user, to disclose the user's data against the wishes of the user, even if they try to, uh, to encrypt it more strongly than that, uh, and at the same time make sure no one else can walk through that back door. And there have certainly been cases, most prominently uh, uh, in the mid-2000s uh, in Greece during the Olympics there, where back doors designed in the, in the phone system, in that case for law enforcement, have been exploited by malicious attackers um, to extract data. Um, and that's in, in particular true when you think about open source or open computing. Um, when you think about uh, something like the iPhone, where Apple has a really kind of unusual soup to nuts model here, um, right? They design the phone, they design the software, and in fact, both the software and the chips on the phone themselves are designed to not run anything except software that's approved by Apple. Um, it's still not a good security choice to, to try and create backdoors, but on an architecture like Apple's, there's some ability to do it. So for Apple, and Google to say, now we no longer have access to uh, your data because just of the way the way that it's now been designed. Um, in order to undo that, the government would have to mandate that their Apple and Google's policies of, of effectively hands off right. your data. And, and is, is not is no longer a valid business model. Right. And the important thing to understand is that, again, in Apple's case, at harm to user security, um, it's conceivable that they could implement something like that, even though it wouldn't be a good idea. But when you look to the Google model, um, which is to say Android is open source software. That means the, the source code is out there. People are, are free to modify it. Uh, and so if you buy a phone that comes installed with an, the Android operating system, um, which is the most widely used mobile operating system, um, you can decide to instead take it off and install your own different operating system. In the same way, if you buy a Windows laptop, you can decide you don't want to use Windows. You want to install uh, Linux on that laptop instead. And the problem there is, of course, if that's the design, if the design is that the user gets to install the software they want and even the operating system they want on the device and modify the operating system, well, how do you make a backdoor work on an architecture like that? Why would anyone use Op, you know, an operating system where the encryption is weak by design if you can just download some code to take the back door out. Certainly any criminal would do that, and probably anyone who cares about their privacy and, and security would do that. Uh, and so, you're, so the choice there for the FBI is either you have a regulation that's basically meaningless because anyone um, who buys an open computing device can just take out the back door, or... Uh, and this would be a terrifyingly bad idea, you essentially outlaw open computing. You make it illegal to sell a computer. A smartphone is just a tiny computer. 
um, that will run software that the user wants to run, that will let the user choose what operating system or what other software runs on that device. And that would, that would, I mean, that's the model that has given us decades of incredible innovation in the computing sector. It would be an extraordinarily myopic thing, especially when you consider that we're really living in so many ways in a golden age of surveillance, where so much more data about so many of us is stored uh, externally in Many more, uh, many more places, and about many more kinds of activity um, that you know in the past never were recorded anywhere. It used to be that if you read the news, read the newspaper, um, there was no, there was no record of that anywhere. So they have so much more information about us that to you know effectively try and rearchitect this entire innovative sector uh, in order to make sure that one more tiny uh, source of information for investigations is preserved um, seems astonishingly short, short-sighted and, and for the most part, I think, born of, of technical ignorance and not understanding um, why this would be bad for security and why it's almost impossible to do, consistent with open computing. Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.